Happy Halloween from your friends that never seen it. My name is Trent. I'm sitting here with my spooky wife, Betsy. I'm so spooky. Yes, so spooky. Betsy, we have reached the ending point of our Never Scream It series, our third annual Never Scream It series. To say nothing about the fact that we didn't call it Never Scream It the first year, shut up. <laughs> we are watching a 50-year-old movie, Betsy. It's celebrating an anniversary of some significance. Yeah, we're watching The Exorcist today, and Betsy, neither of us have seen this movie. We like to end this series with a bang if we can, and what bigger bang could we think of this year because it's celebrating 50 years. Of all years, you can't really do anything else. Than this movie, which neither of us has watched. Yeah. And hey, there's another exorcist that is in theaters right now with a lot of the people I think that are in this movie. It's like spiritually related. It's like part of the canon, I think. Okay. Either way, it is another of the exorcist movies. But Betsy, we can't see any of the other ones until we watch this one. So what can you tell me about this here movie? So this movie has a reputation for being one of the scariest movies of all time. Okay, I haven't heard that. Now that is one of those, as of, you know, through the lens of when people saw it in 1973, my guess is a lot of it's going to look pretty quaint in, in comparison. Well, like what was the horror genre in 1973? Right, it certainly wasn't mainstream. Yeah. This movie got nominated for Oscars. Like, this was a big deal movie. This is not your run-of-the-mill B, C, D slasher movie that people were just cranking out and watching in the drive-in in, like, a triple feature. No, this is a prestige horror movie. One of the few that I think has made the ranks of Academy recognition. Jeez. Now you're getting me hyped for this. So I don't know how I'm going to feel about it because you've got the Oscar factor, which Mm -hmm. usually means, okay, maybe it's not as scary as people describe, but you also have to put it in the context of 1973 where people really weren't trying to make movies like this for a mainstream audience to scare you. Yeah. So I have no idea how I'm going to do. I might find this terrifying. I might be a big baby who cannot sleep tonight. (laughs) I might be like, well, wasn't that a cute little movie? Oh, they thought they were scary. Full of terror. Aren't they cute? (laughs) I know that the lead actress who is the person possessed is Linda Blair. That this is one of those movies where, to the best of my knowledge... She hadn't done a whole lot up to this point, and this is kind of the only thing she ever did after it because people like to do that in Hollywood where, oh, you're the person from The Exorcist Mm. and nothing else you do will ever matter. The very definition of being typecast. Yes. She is a young girl. She is possessed. They need to bring in a priest to exorcise her. Indeed. The context of how this, like, unfolds No idea. Mm -hmm. I've amazingly managed to avoid major spoilers for this movie, despite the fact it's one that is really, really prevalent in the conversation to this day. And like, like the things that I know are like the very tiny 
bits about it. Like, I know that the kid's head turns her all the way around or something like that, right? Most of the stuff that I know is stuff like that where it's like yeah. how they did it, the behind the scenes. Like, right. the throwing up pea soup because she's like puking up green bile, but yeah. it's actually pea soup or something. Yeah. And how her head turns around and how they did that. And she like spider crawls backwards down the stairs or some freaky shit. Like, isn't there a scene where the, with them like walking up the side of the wall or is that from a, a different movie that I'm conflating? That's the thing. It all could have been sourced from this movie totally. and they just took it up a notch. Yeah, and like we have only ever done a couple of these kinds of movies that deal with like possession. Number one, we did Constantine back when, when we did our <laughs> back when we did our uh, Keanu-thon. Yes, we did. And we also did Poltergeist, but Poltergeist isn't really a person being possessed. Uh, it's kind of the house that got possessed. Yeah, the spirits have nowhere else to go, so they take over the house. <laughs> yeah, and we also did the Evil Dead last year. That was kind of possession. It's just kind of campy fun. Right. <laughs> yeah, but this one, I feel like they're just going to take it like deathly seriously, and I'm I'm here for it. We'll I, ho I hope we'll they do. see. Like I said, I might be really scared by this. I'm sort of setting the expectation that I will be in the hope that I won't be. Because as I have said many, many times in this podcast, horror is not my favorite thing. I don't like to be scared. <laughs> I have watched some movies thinking I could handle it. And then I could not. <laughs> but there are yeah. people who freaking love The Exorcist and will just like throw it on. There are people who just love to be scared by movies or, in general. Or they like to see where that line is. Yeah. What actually scares them because they aren't scared by movies. Yeah. So when a movie actually manages it, they're impressed. Yeah, and I would say I don't, I'm with you. I don't seek out scary movies. I never have, but I don't really get scared by them in the first place. I, I don't seek them out because I'm scared of them. It's just, I don't like them. I watched, <laughs> long time ago, I watched The Ring, a famously like modern scary movie that a lot of people around my age at the time thought was super duper scary. I fucking laughed the entire time. I thought it was <laughs> hilarious, but I don't know. Maybe this is going to get me. Who knows? We'll see. But all that being said, we're going to go and watch The Exorcist from 1973. We will be right back. Betsy, did the power of the exorcist compel you? You know, this movie's good. I think 50 years removed, I don't know that I can go so far as to say it's great. I am right there with you. I don't think this is a bad movie at all. Don't don't get me wrong. Yep. I'm not going that far. Yep. I think there are moments of this movie that are really like grab you and really well shot and they're really interesting and it's solid beginning to end. It is not the scariest movie of all time. But no. again, I said in the intro, contextually 1973, this would have freaked people the fuck out. People didn't make movies like this back in the 70s. Not for the populace, no. No. 
Not for like a wide, wide audience. Not like Warner Brothers made this fucking movie. And to have a general audience going into a movie about an exorcism or even just making a movie about an exorcism. And I realize this is based on a book. Yeah. So that's part of the appeal. But it's something if you're thinking about the 70s, like I can name a lot of movies from around this time and none come to mind that feature prominently the possession of a 12-year-old girl. Yeah, and I mean, I don't really know a whole lot about film history. Maybe you can help me out here. But was this the genesis of, like, scary movies being mainstream? I really don't know. So there was a guy making movies. Have you heard the name Roger Corman? Yes. Like, he literally just did one of those Criterion Closet things. Yeah, yeah. We haven't watched that one yet, but yeah. I saw it pop up and I was like, oh, look, he's still alive. I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, but he was kind of the guy who was really well known in, like, the 60s for making these B-horror movies. So up until then, it's just kind of from 1930 to 1960s, 70s. Horror existed, but they were like B movies and trashy movies. And they were very. They didn't get a budget. No, they were very, very rarely something that mainstream audiences would go to. And if you had them, it was things like Psycho. So not the traditional kind of Mm -hmm. what you think of horror. Yeah. And they're usually based on a book. That one was based on a book. And it's not until you get into the postcode era into the 1970s, and we keep talking about the fact that movies in the 70s are really different because they were finally free to do what they wanted, at least much more than they had been. There were different restrictions, and it was the movie rating system versus the Hays Code. So yeah, horror always existed, but you're right. I don't know like the first truly mainstream horror movie And this one has got to be at least one of them. It's at least the one that was the most successful early on. Definitely. And we were just reading something that apparently when you adjust for inflation, The Exorcist was the most successful Warner Brothers movie of all time up until this year. Barbie, of all fucking movies, <laughs> Barbie unseated The Exorcist as the highest grossing Warner Brothers movie when you adjust for inflation. That is wild. And it took yeah. 50 fucking years to do it. That no other movie from this company mm-hmm. has accomplished that. Just goes to show you how that studio pre The Exorcist mm-hmm. and post The Exorcist are two very different things. Yeah. And of course, in in, in grand studio fashion, Warner Brothers had no confidence behind this movie when the executives or whoever was like looking in on on the the production of it, they would show up on set and they would just shake their heads and say, what the fuck are we doing here? What are you guys making? This is some bullshit, but I guess we'll see it when it comes out. And it came out around Christmas 1973 and it was a giant, giant hit. We had people around the block in cold ass weather waiting to see this movie over and over again. Which is really bizarre when you think about it, because this is not a feel-good holiday movie. Yeah. But the fact that even 50 years ago, they were putting out movies Mm -hmm. 
in the Oscar season at the end of the year. Yeah. They're just like, oh, we put it out at the end so you don't forget about us. You gotta <laughs> you gotta remember our little movie, The Exorcist. You gotta get in that uh, that Oscar season, Buzz. <laughs> well, it worked. They got a shitload of nominations for this movie, including Best Picture, yeah. including Supporting Actor and Supporting Actress and Lead Actress yeah. and Screenplay, which it won. You know, that's, that's a lot of stuff. Now, I will say... Coming at this from, like, a filmmaking, movie-making perspective, this movie is extremely well-made. Absolutely. I, I have zero qualms about, like, how th- how things are shot, uh, the, the, the acting quality. Everything else is fantastic. This being a horror movie, it doesn't work for me. I mentioned in the intro that I had a good time watching The Ring because I just laughed throughout the entire thing. I kind of did the same thing here (laughs) because it's all these scenes of this ridiculous demon who is spouting all sorts of different curse words out of this little girl and like having this really weird demon voice come out of her. And that's great. But again, I just thought that was hilarious. It just made me think of the scene in Beetlejuice where he says, I have seen The Exorcist 37 times and it gets yep. funnier yep. every time I watch it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. That is my attitude here. And maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm a broken man. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll say the actual scene that made me the most uncomfortable, probably you too, was when the little girl was on the, the, the hospital bed and they're about to do like the, the EEG, the CAT scan thing where they do a scan of, of her brain. And they were taking all sorts of like different blood out of her and it was squirting everywhere. They were it's sticking like, things right into yeah. her neck and her artery is yeah. bleeding. And it's just like, stop sticking the tube in her throat. Yeah, I, I don't like medical things. I don't do well with that. And it looked realistic enough that it, it got to me. I didn't like that. Please don't ever ask us to watch some like medical torture type of a movie because Fuck no. we're not. No, we were I, so squeamish in just this one scene. Yeah. But the rest of it, I was completely fine. Listen, there are freaky things in this movie. Like the fact that at the beginning, there's just like phantom bumps in the night, like scratchy things up in her attic. Yeah, there's like, there's a monster in my closet, that kind of thing. Literally, she goes and explores the bump in the night with a candle in the middle of the night. It's like, bitch, don't go up there. Stop. Don't, that's, I know how these movies work. (laughs) And then like, as it progresses, and I love how it happens slowly. So it doesn't all happen at once. Yeah, there's a big build up here. But at the finale, when they're actually doing the exorcism, and it's all practical effects. Once again, here we are, practical effects, mm-hmm. where the bed is floating and rocking and the windows are flapping open and closed yeah. and the ceiling is cracking in yeah. on itself. Like the door gets shut, but it gets shut really hard. So there's a crack that forms in the door. Uh, the Like the sheets fly off of the bed. She floats up and is wriggling all around. Uh, when she is talking and it's like four voices coming out of her and it's yeah. like a female voice and a men's voice. And it's and all kind of like slowed down. And backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's freaky shit. Like for 1973, the way they did that. Okay. I'm yeah, with you here. Totally. Like that absolutely was like, I am disturbed by that. Like, did I find it scary? I don't know if I'd go so far as to say I was scared. But I, 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 was, I will I will go that far. It did not scare me one I, bit. I will say it was disturbing, though. 
I thought it just added extra flavor. I mean, that's just me. I, I, I like when movies just kind of go for it and they use whatever tools that they have available to them to make additives to what they're making. The voice work that is that gets added in, like the slowed down voice, and of course, it, none of it is actually coming out of this girl. It is all added after the fact, but it's effective. Yeah, it goes back to what I was saying before. It's really, really hard in 2023 to be a first time viewer of this movie from 50 years ago because every year that we get farther removed from it and we have seen what can be done in movies mm -hmm. and movies that are truly trying to scare you or sometimes it's things that aren't really trying to scare you it's the lack thereof and your brain just does the work for you yeah, and it's maybe because we've seen so many movies. Maybe. And you can tell, I mean, the, there are telltale signs when a movie is about to scare you. And in this movie, yeah, she goes up into the attic and she it's all creepy and scary and she's holding the candle and it's a big scary attic. And her Man, candle bursts up and, and her, then goes out. And her candle like bursts into flames. That's a great little jump scare. I liked that. Well, I think the thing about this movie is they're not really trying to scare you. I didn't feel like they were building it the same way. They weren't building tension the same way I'm used to in other movies. There's almost no score. It's almost completely silent. Usually there's like, we're going to build the score and then fade to silence. And in that silence, yeah. you know something is going to happen. Because in movies, composers and directors, people who make movies... They use music, they use the score to help build the emotional tension. Music is an emotional complement to movies. In this, okay, I'll, I'll say this. We watched the original version, the 1973 version, without any added scenes, without any added music whatsoever. So maybe we're getting a different experience than a lot of other people who watch the extended cuts if that was their first experience. If that was their first time, yeah. yeah. I really don't know what got added, except for there was one scene that you mentioned to me. The spider crawl. The spider crawl, like, down the stairs. Uh, we haven't looked that up yet. We will after we're done recording here. But apparently that got cut because it was early on in the movie, and it just it looked really bad. And at the time, they couldn't remove, like, the, the wires and the strings and everything else coming off the actress. Yeah, she, she was a... Uh contortionist and she wanted to do it just do it because she could actually yeah, yeah. go down the stairs backwards doing the spider crawl but they're like no safety you have to wear the harness and sure. they just couldn't get rid of it but now with digital technology they could get rid of it and so they put it back in right and they said at the time well even if we could have gotten rid of it or we could have made it look good in context of where they put it in the movie what in, in the timeline it wouldn't have made sense so maybe in the other cut, they put it later on in the movie. I don't know. I don't know. But like I said, I liked how they were very slow to reveal it. Because at the beginning, it's just she comes and says something freaky and ominous to this to this guy who's apparently in NASA. He's an astronaut. Right. Yeah. You're going to die up there. And then she pees on the floor. Like sure. that is the introduction to she is possessed by a demon. Right. But even before that, she said, I couldn't sleep. My bed was shaking. Right. And the fact that her mom just is like, oh, just go back to sleep, small child. Right. Like it's nothing. Her bed is shaking and she just moves past that statement. But I want to bring up one specific thing. Are we to believe that the reason this demon shows up and possesses her is because she was playing with a Ouija board. 
Oh, God. You're going to ask me about Ouija boards. I am, because here's the thing. We are finding out all these things are happening. Like, one of the first scenes in the movie is the scratchy stuff up in the attic. So we already know that's happening. And then in a very soon after scene... She finds the Ouija board and she's like, oh, have you been playing with this? Mom asks her, have you been playing with this? Yeah, mom brings it out. She puts it down and she says, oh, yeah, I talked to this this one guy. And the mom says, well, you're not supposed to play by yourself. You're supposed to have somebody with you. Yeah, there is. There's this person who is also here who's moving the thing around with me. And you see the little, I don't know what the fuck it's called. You see the, the thing that is on the board move and nobody moves it. And that just is is passed off like it's nothing. This is what I'm saying. The only explanation we are giving to why she is possessed with a demon is because she called the demon through a Ouija board. Right. Completely, like, in the past. We don't see it happen. Nope. Nope. It just sort of slowly unfolds. She's just fucking around in the basement on her Ouija board by herself. Yes. And so that is why she becomes this puking, spitting, cursing, stabbing... (laughs) strangling <laughs> violent <laughs> being all of the above yeah i suppose I, mean, I guess that's the explanation what do you think that did for ouija board sales do you think that increased them or decreased them oh that increased and betsy we heard the, that song from the allman brothers in the bar during that scene and that apparently that song is shot up to number two on the charts at the time well i the way it was written that little nugget of information i don't know if it was because of The Exorcist. It's 100% because of The Exorcist. it already just happened to be going up the charts because they said it was released in August and they Still. were filming it. Also, that's a crazy turnaround. But yeah, I, I you're always right. take for granted that movies take way longer to make these days because there's so many more extra after the fact things that have to happen. Sure, and it takes zero time to turn film around. Like you just have to develop it and then cut it into the movie. And, and then make a master. Okay, there's maybe a little bit more to it than that. It has hey. to it has to be done in the way you want it to look. Like you have to develop it the right way and make sure all the lighting actually works and change the tint and like over undersaturate things. Eh. Like it's a lot more technical than point Betsy, shoot. Betsy, we can make this movie now. D- no, I could not make this movie now. <laughs> no. The budget for pea soup alone would be through the roof. Do you know the price of groceries these days? <laughs> Damn inflation. Anyway. All right. I want to go back to the, the very beginning of the movie, which is to say the title. This is called The Exorcist. And do we actually know which of these people are actually considered The Exorcist? Is it Max von Sydow or is it the other guy? Well, that's what's weird about this entire thing is it should by rights just be called The Exorcism. Yeah. But that's a, not as good of a title, I guess. Yeah. Because, yeah, you have two priests. You have an old priest and you have a young priest. And the, I need an old priest <laughs> and a young priest. Where do you think that comes from, Trent? <laughs> and we don't meet either of them in context of this situation until yeah. much later in the movie. We literally start the movie in Iraq. Yeah. Which, things I didn't know about this movie and things... I didn't expect. Like, I was like, what the fuck are we doing in yeah. Iraq? Are we watching the right movie here? Yeah, so he is an old priest. He's on a dig. Yeah, there's some archaeological dig in northern Iraq, and he is finding some kind of, like, maybe Mesopotamian artifacts? I don't know. That seemed to be the indication. Yeah. And then he sees a statue of 
apparently it is the demon Pazazu. Okay. That is what was in the behind the scenes, but they never say the name of this demon. You just see him staring at a freaky statue, and then at the end of the movie, he sees the freaky statue again. Well, and it's there's a scene there at the very end of that sequence with him where the, the statue and him are kind of like mind-melding, for lack of a better word. In the opening or at the end? In the opening. Okay. There's something there where there's like weird camera tricks where he is just there staring at it and something is happening. But yeah, so you're introduced to this guy and we do not meet him again no, he's until not, the end of the movie. He's not Mr. Priest. He's just a dude in Iraq who has some kind of heart problem and he has to take pills. Yeah, he is clearly very old, even though Max von Sydow was only 45 he when he only made this. Four, yeah, he's in his 40s. He was aged up significantly. Yeah. So that is what we know about this man. We don't see him again. We don't even know... Like, I was trying to figure out, is this before the events? Is is this post-exorcism? Pre-exorcism? When is this happening in the sequence? And why do we need to see it at all? Right. And then he, like, finds a medal that they get at the end of the movie. And we'll talk more about that, too. But, yeah, presumably he is the exorcist because he is the one who's done it before. He, he has done a reputation. Before. Yeah, yeah. Maybe this is just the fact that we're adapting a book and obviously in novels you can go into a lot more detail about who these characters are and where they come from yeah, and, and why they're important and you were pretty restricted to a runtime especially a movie about an exorcism you're not going to spend four hours explaining every detail about this man yeah I mean, I very much got like Indiana Jones vibes from that entire first sequence. Not because, hey, he's on a big adventure and he's a sexy, you know, leading man. None no. of those things are true. <laughs> no, but it's it's introducing this person by having them go off and do something. But you don't really get a whole lot about them. I honestly do not know why they had to have that Iraq scene in the movie whatsoever. Unless that little medallion that he found... That he said, oh, this actually comes from a different era, but it's found in the possession of these other people. Like, there's some kind of a history with this medallion that they never get into, at least in this movie. Again, they just are not explaining a lot of the details. Like, what my assumption was, they found this little cache of artifacts. Yeah. And there was a small sculpture of the demon. Yeah next to the medallion and there's that guy in the next scene who says evil like offsetting the evil or something good offsetting evil okay so that was kind of the implication there then there is a sequence with the younger priest where he is having a dream and during the dream he's basically having a premonition of the events to follow and there is like a quick shot of the medallion Falling to the floor. And it's got a chain on it, so it's it's maybe used as a necklace. Right. And at the end of the movie, that's what happens. Somehow he's got it in his hand when the demon takes over him and he drops it. Right, and presumably after Max von Sydow dies, he's on the ground, the younger priest like grabs it somehow, but we don't actually see it. That's where I'm confused because I'm like, wait, why does he have it at all? Yeah. So there's clearly a significance here, but again, we're just not given the details to clearly explain to me why is this significant? Why was it there? And then when there's this transference from the girl into the young priest, the demon goes into the priest, 
he drops the medallion. Like, as they're fighting on the ground, as, as he's fucking punching this little girl. Yeah, he bitch slaps that girl. I fucking love that. He bitch slaps the demon out of her. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. She causes the medallion to drop, and at that same moment, they switch places. But, like, how he gets this medallion in his possession, we don't see, I don't think. Yeah, if the, if it happens, I missed it. Yeah, and you actually left the room after we stopped watching. I replay that scene just to see, okay, what the hell did I miss here? Because I must have missed something. I guess not. I didn't see it. Are we just to infer that this medallion is imbued with mighty powers? It must be because at the very end of the movie, the mom is given the medallion by her assistant, who then gives it to this other priest who is the other priest's friend. Yep. There's a lot of priests in this movie because they're on a Jesuit college campus. Sure. (laughs) But yeah, I have no idea what the the significance is of this thing. I imagine it's going to be in the sequels. Maybe? There's quite a few now. I don't know, but those are the things that really bother me about the movie on the whole. It doesn't flesh out all of these other things that maybe explain everything that's happening and all encompass it into one story. Like I said, it's the novel adaptation problem where I would be willing to bet a lot of this is covered in the book. Sure. It's like, well, shit, I'm not going to read that book. I ain't got the time. We're doing a podcast now. (laughs) I got two hours to burn. I'm going to watch a movie. I want want satisfaction, (laughs) goddammit. And I, I can understand artistic license and you're supposed to be just watching these quiet sequences and glean everything you need to know from these quiet moments it's like no i'm stupid like just tell me (laughs) just tell me and you know when you start i want to talk about the rest of the movie now so we're done talking about all the uh the boring stuff about the stuff that we didn't like let's get into the weird shit so but i guess before we get into that uh i want to talk about the fact that this movie starts off like a movie We are introduced to characters. There is character development here. We got the mom who's an actress. She's on a movie set in 1970-whatever, filming a protest movie in front of Georgetown University. And they're not saying anything in particular. They're not saying anything about, like, Vietnam or anything like that. But Oh, she even makes a comment about how it's, like, a totally lackluster protest kind of thing. Yeah. So it does have, like, the, the movie does have some chops when it comes to like storytelling and introducing characters and developing what's happening and making sure that you know what everybody's role is. Oh, I knew who everyone was. Totally. Which is rare. Most of the time you and I go, wait, who is that? Most of the time I don't give a shit. Like even at the party, I kind of knew what everybody's deal was. Clearly this guy's an astronaut because they're talking about the, all the different space programs and the, uh, the, the drunk director is there talking to this guy who is apparently from Switzerland, but he's also maybe a Nazi, and then they get into a fight. I don't think he's a Nazi. I think he's just, the other guy's very drunk. He is. And he's clearly European. So 1973, he's got kind of that same accent. He went through it. This man is holding a grudge. And in 1973, there's a lot of people who actually went through that war. Still alive. The people who work for her all had accents. Yes, indeed. So those people were there and then they were like, fuck this place. And they came to America. Right. And this is, of course, all outside of the exorcism that is going to happen in the late part of the movie. Which, again, is great if you're just making a movie about something else. 
but why is it relevant to here? You could have spent so much extra time of, of screen time here setting up all of this other stuff. Give me more background of Max von Sydow. Give me more background of this other priest. Give me, give me the struggles that this that this young priest is having. He says in the bar to this other guy, saying, "I'm losing my faith because of all the different shit that they're having me do." Explore that some more. Well, I felt like he was a pretty developed character compared to most of them. Even just like here is some shots on the wall of his mother's apartment. It's a picture yeah. of him as a boxer. Okay, yeah. he was a boxer. He's, a, he's another Italian boxer. Yeah, so he is Italian. His mom lives in a shithole. My guess is she moved there and it was a great neighborhood and then every all the shit has just popped up around her. Right. So he doesn't live in the same city because he's a priest and he's assigned a location and he has to go where he's told. Right. And he's basically asking for a transfer. Like, I yeah. can't keep on coming to D.C. to do all this stuff bring me back home. He also is on the subway or the train going up there mm -hmm. and there's the homeless guy and right. he is a priest and he just doesn't give a shit about this homeless guy. Did you also notice there is a line when the demon is talking to him, he repeats the, the line from yes. the homeless guy. Yep. I caught that, which yeah. is what first perks his ear up and goes, yeah. wait a second. But yeah, there's all of these things going on in his life and he's just sort of shuffling along and depressed and he's sad about his mom and he's sad about his situation. And he's questioning his faith. Yeah, questioning his faith and his calling. And you know, when he goes to see his mom, the first thing he does is takes off the little, the the collar. little collar. Yeah. And takes off his it off. Yeah, takes off his shirt and he's just wearing his undershirt and yeah, talking I, to his mom. I feel like this would have been a better movie if they focused more on just him or just Max von Sydow, or just combine them into one character. Movies do that all the time when they're adapting other things. Yeah, we don't need two characters. We'll just make a no. smart choice and merge the two. Right. But yeah, so we've got these two guys, one of whom we're introduced to at the beginning and don't really know much about and don't see again till the end. And then the other one who is arguably way more interesting, who has a lot of shit. And when we get to the end of the movie, he sacrifices himself. I bought that. I yeah. liked I liked that whole arc where he yes. has got nothing left to lose and he is willing to give up himself to save this little girl because yeah. you see the terror on his face like this girl's going to die. This is the culmination of his entire priesthood, his life, everything. He is saving this one person. He has restored his faith in his faith and he is going to go out in a blaze of glory. Right. And then Max von Sydow, he is just old and dies. And just dies? I'm pretty sure he just dies. I don't think he was attacked. I don't think anything happened because he's... Yeah. They, we get like one line of dialogue. He was in Africa. He was exercising someone and it took months. Right. And it almost killed him and he's never been the same. And then he dies at the end. Right. And so no one actually is successful in the exorcism portion of this. Like the no. actual, like the power of Christ compels you, get out demon, get out, here's some holy water, let's do this. It doesn't do shit. No, it's not until he says, take me. And his right. walls are down and he is, maybe it's because he's holding the medallion and that's what gives him this power. I don't fucking know. But he's like, take me, let her go, take me. And the demon jumps into him mm -hmm. and he dives headfirst out a window. Which is a great scene. Him taking the demon in, into himself. You can see on his face for just a split second that he is demified. Mm -hmm. And then 
he snaps back into it, in, into himself, and he says, no, and I'm going to jump out this fucking window and kill myself with the demon inside of me. Right. That's not... Tech, like it technically is an exorcism. It's technically not. Did no, you get you the? No, you cheated. Listen, you, you cheated. cheated. <laughs> you, did you? Did you remove the the demon from the girl? Yes. Yes, you did. So I guess successful exorcism. But I'm just gonna say all of the words and the ritual and everything up to this point had not really been effective. No. It wasn't until you just said, I have nothing left to lose. I don't know about my calling. And he just made a choice to sacrifice himself. That's what got the demon out. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, the exorcism I'm- isn't even a great title because of that. <laughs> yep. And I'll say this. I don't think the demon is gone. Just because you as the, the host of this demon died, do you think the demon is now dead? I don't think so. Unless there's some weird loophole where it's like now trapped back in some limbo dimension. Betsy, how many sequels to this movie are there? He's got to come back. Is it the same demon or other demon? You, you, come on. There there's got to be more than one demon. <laughs> like that's a lot of people to be possessing and harassing. I mean, there's not a lot of business in exorcism anymore. They say it themselves and there hasn't been one since the Dark Ages or something I, like I that. I love how they keep saying that, but it's like the mob. None of us know about the mob and none of them know about exorcisms. But then the second they actually think they need one, they're like, no, I know a guy. I definitely know right, a guy. I know right. just the guy. I know where to find him. Yeah, his, his name is John Constantine. He's up in New York. Send him a note. Let's get him down here. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's this secret thing where it's, nobody's done an exorcism since 1600 because then we figured out that, you know, there's mental illness and stuff. And having this guy be a psychiatrist, yeah. that was really interesting. Like I said, oh, yeah. this is the most interesting character by far in this movie. And he gets to be the hero. But there's a lot of lulls and drags in between where I'm just like, but we're not talking to him right now. Or I don't understand. I just wanted it to be more clear. Like, why did we need to bring in the old priest? He couldn't have done it himself. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just complaining now. But while we're talking about him, I wanted to talk about the fact I liked the scene where the mom meets father Karis the first time where she's just like making small talk the smallest of small talk oh you're a you're a priest what's that like basically yeah he meets her on this bridge she's covered up like an audrey hepburn type with the the scarf over her head and the big sunglasses she's really hiding her face because number one she's a celebrity and number two she's got bruises all over her face after getting beat up by her daughter yes indeed but they, they're walking along, and they're talking, and then she just left turns, cut the small talk. How do you get an exorcism? Right, like, this turns into, like, a nonchalant conversation, and then it just kind of turns into, hey, uh, exorcism. Like it's a drug deal. Yeah. Like it's a drug deal. That's, that's the vibe I got there. Are you supposed to make small talk with the drug dealers before you get to the point? Or do you just say drugs, so, please? Yeah, crazy weather we're having here. So, by the way. Got any crack cocaine? <laughs> but yeah, the, the way she just is like, yeah, and um, exorcisms? And he's like, I'm sorry, what? Excuse I'm sorry, me? What? Because, of course. They, well, have, they don't lady, do that anymore. Well, I like I like his reaction. Well, lady, you need to find a fucking time machine and go back to the Dark Ages because we're all out. 
Yeah, he's a very modern for 1973. He's a priest. cool priest. He's not. He's not a regular priest. He's like a cool priest, <laughs> smoking cigarettes and stuff. Right. Yeah. There's a lot. Of, again, it's the 70s. There's a lot of smoking. I want to talk about some of the 70s nature of this movie because, God, I love this era. Betsy and I. Just a, a little bit of background with us. We bought the house that we live now was was made in 1974. And we love this style of house. So we kind of live in the 70s at all times. If we could have had a conversation pit, oh, I don't care. I don't pits. care what the rest of the house would have looked like. If yep. we had seen a house with a conversation pit, we'd be like sold. <laughs> Take our money. <laughs> or, um, the rest of it's falling apart and there's a hole. Like there's <laughs> there's a family of animals. I don't care. Or a sunken living room. Yeah. yeah. Sign us up sign us up we don't have that in this house this house is fairly updated but anyway we love the 70s some of the rooms in her house in dc look amazing like the room with the desk and all the wood paneling everywhere that's real wood that's not that fake shit yeah there's a fucking boat hung up on on a shelf on the side uh there's almost every square inch of this room is covered in something of this house really she's a celebrity she's got a lot of stuff and, uh, and another thing, as long as we're talking about that, this seems like it's a temporary living situation. It is. How do you have so much fucking stuff in this house? Not only in the house, but the attic. That's where you put shit that you've had for decades. I think some of it isn't theirs. I feel like this is a semi-furnished house that they are renting. So that the okay. stuff in the attic doesn't actually belong to them. Maybe the house belongs to maybe some kind of agency that hires out the uh, these housekeepers i have and, no idea and, i mean dc there's a lot of people coming in from all over the place so maybe that would make sense i don't know i'm just I, spitballing here yeah i just think that she is in a long-term rental but she is not going to be staying there for a long time but they knew they'd be there long enough that she wanted to make it like home and so she brought sure. a bunch of portraits of harry truman <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for some reason. I don't know. But I, I love this house. I love all, like how it's decorated. I love the, um, there's a bunch of like shelving units where, there, where there's like a bunch of like glasses and bowls and other tchotchkes on it that you can see through. That's really iconic of the 70s too. I don't know. I'm just going to keep on talking about the house. Also, the hospital. Yeah. The carpet, the orange carpeted hallway of that hospital where she meets the doctor and the doctor just lights up a cigarette. The fact that the carpet is there at all. Right. It's a hospital. Why do you have carpet? Someone's going to puke or bleed or die or something. (laughs) And yeah, he comes out to give her the news and lights up a cigarette. Well, it's not this. (laughs) Cool. Thanks, Mr. Doctor Man. And then when she actually has to get the scans, those massive old time machines thunk, thunk, thunking around. Like, they're not that different, the MRI, the CAT scan, all those things, Mm -hmm. than they are today. However, those are very, like, made of thick metal and thunking along. They're rudimentary. Like, the effect is the same, but now it's, like, all, like, circular and smooth. And futuristic. And and hums instead of, like, sounding like machinery. I mean, when you're inside it, it definitely still does. I had an MRI once, and it's, like, thunk, 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 thunk. thunk, 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 I never have. uh, I, I got... A CAT scan once on my lower half because I had kidney stones. So that Whee! was fun. That was fun. <laughs> but yeah, the 
the fact that the doctor just lights up a cigarette in that situation is like, wow, you'll never see that in a movie again. Yeah. And then she keeps going to doctor after doctor after doctor, and nobody knows what the fuck is wrong with her. And it's the doctors who say, maybe an exorcism? Well, first he brings up, you know, we don't really do it anymore, but how about shock therapy? What do you think of that? But then also, exorcism. Hmm. Hmm. Honestly, I thought he was going to say a lobotomy, and I was like, Jesus, don't go there. That's too far. Yeah, that comes after shock therapy. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. In those days. In those days, yeah. I've, I've seen one who flew over the cuckoo's nest. But I understand the, the logic of it, where he says, you know, in these cases where it's a psychological issue, they have convinced themselves that they are possessed, and they believe yeah. it so fully that it's the power of suggestion. If they are exercised, mm -hmm. they will believe the demon is leaving them. Right, and and you could say that about a lot of different kinds of people who get way, way into the religious religiosity. I, I was talking while we were watching it that, you know, there's a lot of people out there thinking, oh, I'm being possessed by the, the spirit of whatever and I'm speaking in tongues and all this other shit. And it's no, no. And I'm not here to denigrate religion, but yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, down to the point where apparently Linda Blair had to have like bodyguards around her for six months after the release of this movie because she was receiving as a child she was receiving death threats from people all over the country saying that she was glorifying satan she couldn't be left alone and safe because people didn't understand a movie right that it's, it's a, a movie. movie she is an actress and the words she is speaking were written for her also she wasn't actually speaking them they were other people right like, calm, calm your tits, calm guys. Your tits. Calm your tits. <laughs> that is our advice, people. <laughs> Do that. Betsy, I'm about out of things to talk about here. Did you have anything else to mention? I mean, just the fact that I'm sitting here as a kid who went to Catholic school for a lot of years. Uh-huh. And this movie took place not that many years after the Vatican Council II, where they said, Peace out, Latin. Mass is going to be in English now. Mm -hmm. So that would still be a relatively new thing. And the words they're using are the same words they use now. That is how unchanged it's been. Oh, yeah. Betsy was reciting all this stuff from, from memory. I can't Sitting help on the couch. It. I've heard it so many times. And you are expected to respond. And so whenever he would say something and the other priest is freaking out because he's in the middle of an exorcism, I'm like, come on, I know your next line. <laughs> but yeah, that that's all. I kind of figured you might have some of that uh, in you, but uh, not, a little, not, not a whole lot of exorcisms uh, at Catholic school. I have not been taught how to do an exorcism. Yet. I cannot perform one. I've never witnessed one. I have no on-the-job training. Uh, I am not qualified. But, to perform an exorcism. But when called upon... I've seen this movie. There you go. So if all I need is a bottle of holy water and the words, the power of Christ compels you, then we're in business. Yeah. Just do that for about three months and we'll get somewhere. Love it. All right. I'm going to end this one. Betsy, this has been Never Scream It. And we made it I to the end. cannot believe we got to the end here and I never screamed in the final episode. 
while we were watching this movie. I never scream once. You I was... don't scream ever. Yes, I do. Okay, no, you're a liar. You were definitely screaming in the hospital scene where they were sticking tubes in her now, neck. N- that was more like, oh, ah, uh, ooh, that's, no. That's as close as it's going to be then. I do scream sometimes. Not, I don't like wail or anything <laughs> like that. I was like, ah, something like that. Anyway, we're going to read an email. If you would like to reach out to us, Email us, neverseenitpod at gmail.com. We are on all the social medias. You can find that out yourselves. But we're going to read an email from Seth. Seth is one half of the podcast Movie Friends with Seth and Michelle. They cover movies that mainly he has seen, but she hasn't. Kind of a similar thing, but it's it's still different. (laughs) Anyway, Seth sent us an email about... Oh, a bunch of movies, but mainly about Jennifer's body. We mentioned uh, one of Seth's responses in on uh, from Twitter, but this is a, a fully formed thought, I think. So, subject line, Sethifer's body. What's happening, broskies? I listen while I drive primarily, so I have meant to send an email for like eight episodes, so I'm going to rapid fire some stuff right now. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, When I used to commute to an office, it was only about a 10-minute drive each way, but I also came home for lunch, so I had upwards of, like, 45 minutes to just listen in the car, so I I feel ya. But, of course, while I'm there, I can't necessarily type a response to things that people are saying. Certainly not while you're driving. I, I gotta save that up, so I get what you're saying. Anyway, he says, first off, Trent, John Cusack. Talking about all the different things that I've said about John Cusack. Hot tub time machine. Hot tub time machine and the like. He says, I get it. However, in his defense, I am recommending some movies for you. Uh, She-Rack is one. Uh, Grace is Gone. And Say Anything. I know Say Anything. I've not seen it, but I know what it is. We'll probably get to that one eventually. Eventually, yeah. Uh, He says three roles that I feel his personality doesn't overshadow and that really moved me. Okay. Uh, He says, in your episode on safety not guaranteed, all I could think about was my extreme dislike for Colin Trevorrow, which is the director of that movie, by the way. Correct. Uh, I don't know why. Please explain. Yeah, I don't have the context for, is he terrible? Do you just not like him? Is there a thing we missed? Do you just not like his movies? Okay. Explain. Uh, In Empire Records, I was laughing and confused on why you guys thought it was so weird when Warren came back with the gun. We live in America. Homie went home and grabbed one from the sock drawer. (laughs) They basically grow on trees here. (laughs) Yes, we are aware we live in the middle of the country where there are more guns than people. That is a statistical fact. Yeah. And I have nothing more to add to that because I don't want to get shot. (laughs) All right, uh, moving on, he says, several times now, Betsy has mentioned the no tattoos or piercings thing, which I think we need to rectify when you guys come out here in January. Oh, he he wants us to come and see him in January. Yeah, apparently they're going to be doing a meetup somewhere. They're doing a live show. They're doing a live show somewhere in New York. Uh, I I don't know about that. Number number one, I also don't have any tattoos or piercings either, so the threat is is also to me. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you've been excluded from this event i guess i'm not invited it's just me i'm not invited (laughs) and apparently if i show up there are tattoos in store for me they're gonna like strap you down and tattoo and or pierce you oh please don't (laughs) (laughs) and he continues with the the main meat of his email finally jennifer's body I rewatched this movie three times in 24 hours when i first saw it i was that blown away slash entertained by it 
as a New Yorker, as a New Yorker, the 9-11 shot joke was so smart because every business tried to honor or remember the tragedy in the only way they know how, with sales. (laughs) (laughs) Capitalism. Capitalism, bitches. And, you know, I would say in New York, maybe that would hit a little bit different than it would around here or maybe in the middle of the country. Or somewhere that is in New York, let's say. And then versus now. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, had I seen this when it came out, it would have probably been my favorite movie. Okay. I Like I said in the episode, I'd watch it again. Maybe it'll grow on me. Yeah. I didn't dislike it. I'm, I'm with you. I would say I would watch it again, but I don't think it's going to grow on me that much. Just based on, you know, it could have been better and it could have been worse. I don't know. It's it's it was just okay. That's all right. Could say the same thing about the movie we just watched. All right. Uh, he says until next time. Keep up the great work. Love the show, and I'm looking forward to the never seen it to slash movie friends collaboration. Regular fan, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to work on that. We haven't got our ducks yeah. in a row yet. Yeah. But again, his podcast is called Movie Friends. Look it up on whatever podcast app you're using right now. You can find it. Anyway, that is going to be the end of this here show. It's also the end of Never Scream It for 2023. We want to thank you for following along with us and screaming along with us, I guess, I think. We didn't really do a lot of scary, scary movies this year. Because we're babies. We don't like no, it. it's not because of that. We wanna, <laughs> I'm a baby. We want to be unique and do the things that we want to do. Well, it felt like this was the time for The Exorcist because it's 50 years in like a month and a half. It's true. But like I said, that is the end of this here month. It is the end of this series. But Betsy, damn it, we're going to be starting yet another series on Wednesday. Holy shit. It's happening, Trent. Indeed. Starting this Wednesday and for every Wednesday in the month of November, we are celebrating Thanksgiving. We are showing our gratitude for the one and only Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. We're doing another actor's series. Yep. It'll be similar to the other ones. We're going through the decades, one movie each decade. Yep. If you have been with us for a long time, you already know our actor series follows one actor throughout the entirety of their career, one movie from every decade of their career up to the current one. Not always their whole career, because some people have been around far too long. We'd be here a long time. Yes, with Tom Hanks, we are starting in the 80s, and we're going all the way up to, I guess, this decade. He's got some movies that are out, sure. He does. We haven't nailed down all of the titles yet, but by the time we get there, we will. I think we've got all of them but the current decade (laughs) (laughs) already planned out. So, we're going to start off in the 80s with the Tom Hanks classic, Splash. We're watching Splash. Yeah. So that is coming on Wednesday, the first day of November, November 1st. So join us for that, won't you? Join us for Thanksgiving. The T in Thanksgiving stands for Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Betsy. Also, Betsy uh, came up with that little ditty. I I give her 100% credit. Oh, I didn't come up with the concept, but I did come up with applying you it came to up this with the series. Term. I, you came up with the term, and then I said, oh, now we have to do it. I produced it from my brain <laughs> based on other people's capacity to yes. come up with that ridiculous pun. <laughs> <laughs> but anytime we come up with a, a thing like that, we, we kind of have to do now it. Now we have to. We have to. 
Those anyway, are the rules. Anyway, that is going to be the end of this episode. Thank you again for listening all the way to the end. We like to save something for the people who are actually listening all the way to the end. So there's your, there's your big announcement for November. Sundays in November will still be whatever random stuff that we want to do. But until we get to the start of Thanksgiving, this has been another episode of Never Seen It. My name is Trent. My name is Betsy. And we'll be back on Wednesday. Bye!